It's good to have you here tonight. Take your Bible, if you would, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. How many of you did not get a handout for tonight? Would you hold your hand up? You need to get a little handout. Gentlemen, thank you. Keep those up. Keep it up real high, and they will bring that to you. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, again, Pastor, thank you for the invitation. I'm honored to be here, and uh, it's already been a blessing for us to, to get to uh, meet some new faces and also see some folks that we've known uh, through previous times here. Some of you I've seen in, in Thailand uh, over at Pastor Shemesh's meeting there in, in December as well, and uh, it's just a good to be here. Looking forward to this week. As you have uh, Pastor Skelly and, and Pastor Dean Miller coming up here as well, and Pastor Mansour, it's just going to be a good time of fellowship as we look to heaven and uh, ask God to speak to our hearts and challenge us throughout the week. We're going to get right into our uh, thought here tonight in Second Chronicles chapter number 20. I titled this, Look to God in the Battle, uh, a little bit based on your theme of what you guys have had as a local church this year. And as we'll look at this passage, I think it'll be a help to you and an encouragement uh, here this evening. Let's start reading in verse uh, number one. We'll read a few verses, and then would you join me tonight and uh, have a word of prayer, and let's ask God's blessing on our time together. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1, And it came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazamon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Notice verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name, saying, notice verse 9, If, when evil come upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then, based on the aforementioned, then, Thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came up 
out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Notice verse 12. O our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for a wonderful morning together as we assembled to worship you and to hear from you. And tonight, as we look to heaven again, we do ask that you would meet with us in a special way, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would even break up the the fallow ground in our hearts and help us to receive the engrafted word. And I pray for Good Shepherd Baptist Church. I pray for the folks that are here tonight. If there is uh, any battle that they're facing now, one they may face down the road, that they would glean some things tonight from this thought out of this passage written some 2,500 years ago that could not be more applicable, that you would help them, draw them closer to you, help them to take from it exactly what you would have for them tonight. And we'll thank you for it, and we'll give you the glory, for it's in Christ's name we pray, and amen. In this passage, if you look at the text here, you see a picture of God's people having uh, their enemies come against them. And then we get to see their response of how they react as a, as a group, and God is gracious enough uh, to show us the ultimate outcome. And, and as I meditate on this passage and read it, I believe there's much to glean uh, from here. And as I, even as I was praying, very applicable uh, to us today. Now, it's interesting to see how they're just going about their normal daily lives, and then this unexpected uh, challenge arises out of nowhere. And many times, I mean, that's kind of how it goes. We're going about our normal lives and it's that phone call or it's this or it's that or that situation that arises. And, and sometimes in life, this is the sad thing. And I've, I've often thought about why this is. But sometimes in life, it takes that challenge. It takes that uh, a little bit of adversity to cause us to look up a little bit more. And I don't know why that, I wish that wasn't the case. No, I've told the Lord, I've just had a conversation with him and said, Lord, I don't want to have to, uh, to wait until a hardship comes till I really go after you harder or search the inward and all of these things, you know, you have these conversations with God. And I've even said to the Lord, you know, the, you know, the people always say, well, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. So I've heard that. So what I did is I, I wrote down a little list and I let the Lord know. I said, these are all the things that I cannot handle. <laughs> and of course, he says to me, I, I know what you can handle more than you know what you can handle. So, But here's a situation where this caused them to seek God. It was adversity uh, that, that came their way. 
That's what we see happening in our text. It caused them to look up. Look at verse 4, if you'll glance there. In, in verse number 4, notice, because of this battle, they got together and they said these words, we need to seek God. How many of you would agree that unfortunately it's hardships that cause us to look up more than the beds of ease? You know, that's why the Bible warns against certain things. It says, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. And, and we have to be careful. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that the church can survive anything but prosperity. And you just ponder those things and you understand it intellectually. But the, the, the practical outworking is what we have to guard against on a regular, regular basis. One of the best things we can learn from this passage is when the battle comes, and, and by the way, they will. The Bible says in Job 5, 7, uh, as the sparks fly upward, so a man is born unto trouble. Now, I don't get any sadistic satisfaction out of just saying that, but it's a reality. If you've, if you've lived for any length of time, you know hardships are a part of life. And so the one thing that I, I took from this passage, and it's funny, I was just doing, this doesn't always happen to me, my normal uh, Bible reading, I, I kind of just go through uh, calendars. I like to go through my Bible at a certain rate and what have you. And and I was sitting in my office and I was reading through this text in my normal, um, I usually just do my normal Bible reading and then I go study for messages, but the Lord just arrested my mind on this passage and I just kind of put my Bible back and began to meditate on this passage and, and, and make some notes about it. And the thing that I took the most from this passage is to, to always remember when adversity comes, when the battle comes, to admit to God right off the bat, I don't have the answer. It says, look at verse 12, neither know we what to do. I feel like that's the story of my life. I don't really know what to do. And by the way, it's a problem uh, when, when, when sometimes you always do have the answer. How many of you are, are, this isn't a negative and it's not a setup either, but you're fixers. Like you, you see a problem, like I, I've got to fix this. Anybody like that? You're okay all across the room. You're fixers. It's okay. It's sometimes it's just human nature. You, you want to fix the problem and that's okay. But sometimes in life, there's just not something that's just a quick fix. We have to prostrate before our creator, look to heaven and say, God, I don't have the answers. And we need to be like Solomon and just admit, I don't know whether I'm coming in or going out. Lord, I need you. Staying reliant and dependent on God Almighty. Look at it, uh, verse number 12, if you'll just glance at that again. He says, O God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company. By the way, that's exactly how we should respond when the battle comes. In verse 12 again, neither know we what to do. And that's, that's hard for many people to admit admitting that I don't know what to do. In verse 12, this is it right here, verse 12. But our eyes are upon thee. Church, that's what God wants to hear. That's what God wants to see. 
He wants us to, to get our eyes off of ourselves and, and, and eyes off the problem or the battle, whatever it is. And, and what he wants is for our eyes to be upon him. It's what they said in verse number 12. Our eyes are upon thee. Notice in your notes, if you would, we'll take a few minutes to look at this thought this evening of looking to God in the battle. First of all, just admitting, very simple, that the battle is real. Look back at verse number one, and it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, and I want you to picture this. As we read this, just, just you have it in your notes there, picture the story in your mind's eye. Envision the adversary coming right up as it says, in their backyard, and they're right there in the midst, and picture it in your mind's eye. It says in verse 2, Then there came some and told Jehoshaphat, saying, there, there comes this great multitude against thee. They're on their way. They're here. Behold, matter of fact, they're in Hazamon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And you can just see Jehoshaphat just sitting there, no doubt, on a normal day, and he's, he's drinking his coffee, and he's eating his breakfast and the news comes down the pike and 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 by, by let's be honest by the way that will spoil anybody's day when you find out what was in his backyard and, and they weren't playing lawn darts they weren't messing around this was somebody who wanted to take his head off wanted to completely destroy him and by the way that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life and in your home and in your marriage he wants to eliminate and eradicate. And uh, so this is not a drill. It's not a joke. And now Jehoshaphat's in a situation. He's the leader. Now he's got to make some really tough decisions. What am I going to do? Notice verse 2. It says, look at it again. It says, it's a great multitude. Have you ever found in life that when other people uh, have a trial come their way, it's a big deal. Of course it is. But never as big when it's you. It's just, and that's human nature as well. I think if we're all honest, we'd agree. And we also, if we're all honest, we'd understand that the battle in the Christian life and what we face is real. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We know that. And a lot of people think, well, no, it's, it's the government, and it's our leaders, and it's this, and it's that person in the church, or it's, it's this problem, if my wife or my husband, and everybody's looking at the individual, forgetting that there's a God of this world, the unseen, that is the one orchestrating all of it behind the scenes. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, in high places. And so we may not be facing the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, but we're indeed in a battle. And the battle is with the God of this world, who, by the way, would love to divide and to conquer, to cause division. But the question is, if we allow it to happen, That's the question. We have to fight against it. And that kind of leads to our next thought. Our next thought. Notice number two, this is our response. So we admit the battle's real, but notice number two, that the response, how we respond is crucial. So we know that 
It doesn't matter. And you can just, you can fill in the blank, whatever that trial, whatever bit of adversity, whatever bit, of, whatever, whatever it is, fill in the blank, how you respond is very important. Very important. Because we can do more damage by our response than the actual trial that we're facing. So notice if you break down the verse and you see their response, look at verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. Uh, may I say that is the proper response to any trial. He, he feared. He set himself to look to God, to seek the Lord. Look at verse 3 again. Then he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Sometimes that's simply what you need to do is just say, Lord, I'm going to fast about this. I, I'm giving this to you. Look at verse 4. Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Now, why are we looking at that again? Because what we're seeing here is we're seeing the battle. We're seeing what took place. We're getting to see their response. They did the right thing. They all got together and they asked help, it says, and to seek the Lord. And notice, notice this. This is really important. Look at the content of the prayer. Look at verse 6. Look at the content as Jehoshaphat prays here in verse 6. He said, God, God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? Obviously, this is uh, rhetorical. He's saying, uh, we know that you can handle this situation. Aren't you God? Can't you handle this? Verse 7. I love this. Are not thou our God who, notice, who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land? Notice that, D-I-D-S-T, that's past tense. Past tense. God, didn't you uh, do this before? He's saying, Lord, you've done it in the past. Hey, could you do it again? Do it again, Lord. Look at verse 9. I want you to see in verse 9 if you can see any correlation to today in 2023. Verse 9, he says, If when evil come upon us as the sword and judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence. I love this part. For thy name is in this house. And cry, and cry unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear and help. Do you notice there that, that word then, T-H-E-N? That's a prerequisite. You know, a lot of times, and people, there's a lot of promises in the Bible, but there's also a lot of prerequisites and contingencies associated with the promises. Let, 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 me, let me give you an example. The Bible says the blessings are upon the head of the just, right? The, the Bible says nothing good will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Uh, the Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name. So there's all of those things that you kind of have to look at um, in the context there, the contingency. I love the beginning of verse 9. He says this, look at it again, if, when evil come upon us. It's kind of a classic thing. He's saying in essence, not if, but when. Notice the content of the evil. Sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine. Then you see their response to all of that in verse 9. We stand before this house and in thy presence. I want to say tonight, 
to Good Shepherd Baptist Church. Can you say we stand before this house and you're here on a Sunday night? Nobody made you be here. You guys have been working. You're in prayer, in preparation uh, for a meeting. By the way, just as a little you know, I don't, I don't preach, I don't really do rabbit trails. I do controlled parentheticals. I just, I feel better. But I'm going to give you a little parenthetical here. And that is, I, under, I like to study in, in America demographics and, and trends. And we were talking about today, I'm working on a message right now on the last bastion, just for simple Bible-believing Christians, balanced Bible-believing Christians that love God, want to see people saved, but you're doing something, and one of the reasons I feel like the Lord led me to this passage was in America, Christianity, and by the way, there's some good, vibrant churches, and it's great, but Christendom as a whole is just go, is tanking in our country, okay? Tanking. Amer in, in Australia, okay, you don't have a lot of Bible-believing churches. You know that. Okay? And I'm talking about good Bible-believing church, churches, not weird, right? Balanced. I say that because there's some weird churches. So I say that to say this. If you understand what's taking place here this week, and you understand how the devil would love to get in and do whatever he could to mess up what God wants to do in the hearts of all the people that grace this campus in the coming days. He'll do whatever he can do. But if you can, if you can do this and just say as a collective group tonight in unity and say, Lord, we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house. We cry in our affliction, then thou will hear and help. He promises that he will help. You just have to claim that promise. As a church, stand together in unity and look to heaven just like Jehoshaphat. And notice, verse 12, notice, and say this, our eyes are upon thee. There's a song that was written in 1922 by Helen uh, Lemuel. And the song is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full of His wonderful grace. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I have no doubt, I, I, I don't know because I haven't read the history of the song, but I would not be surprised if she got that song from this text. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. It says, our eyes are upon thee. Now, I love the picture, verse 13, and, and maybe even tonight as we, I told your pastor we'll close early tonight, but maybe tonight this might be a good time. I want you to look at verse 13 and, and envision this as you are on the heels of this conference. Verse 13, and all Judah stood before the Lord. I love this part. 
with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Can't you see it? All the families just holding hands and crying out to God. You know, Lord loves to see that. He loves to see contrition and he loves to see dependency on his children. And then lastly tonight, notice our victory is assured. Look at verse 15. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. And he said, Hearken, ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Would you say that last part with me? For the battle is not yours, but God's. He says in verse 16, Tomorrow go you down against them. Now he's telling them, here's what I want you to do. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. You shall find them at the end of the brook, but before the wilderness of Jeruel. In verse 17, this is the best part about it. Here it is. You shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Good Shepherd Baptist Church, Christian, be not afraid of the battle. Don't be dismayed, whatever it is you're facing. By reason of the great multitude, whatever that might be. Let's remember, by the way, uh, there are people dismayed. In America, I don't know what it's like here. I don't live here, but I can speak uh, for our, our area. And again, I, I mentioned this morning, we're about 20 minutes north of Seattle. Uh, it is uh, not the Bible Belt. It's a liberal hotbed. Uh, in our area, it is you know Microsoft, Boeing, Amazon, all of these people. Two of the richest people in the world live 40 minutes from our church. Okay? I'm submitting to you, it doesn't make any difference. They're living in fear. Fear. You should have seen during COVID, and we tried to have respect, and early on not knowing, and I don't get into any of the politics of it, but I can tell you one thing I do know for sure what my eyes saw. People were afraid like I couldn't believe. And instead of mocking them because, well, look at them, and they're driving in their car doing this or doing that, and look at them, look at them, I thought to my heart, I thought, man, they're living in fear. They need the Lord. But if you're saved, you can just stand back and say, the battle's the Lord's. I'm not going to fear the multitude, and I'm not going to be dismayed. The battle's not yours, but God's. If we try, if we try to fight the battle on our own, the Bible says the arm of flesh will fail you. Notice in verse 17, in just a moment I'll have the piano player, whoever's playing tonight, to come. But I want you to look at verse 17. Notice, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. This is, the, this is the part that we have to tell ourselves over and over again. He says, you shall not need to fight this battle. Wait, 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 wait a minute, I got, I got this lined up, I got the guns, I got this, I got that, we're ready to go, the army's over here. What? what? 
No, no, no. You don't need to fight the battle. Yeah, but we're geared up. We've been preparing for this. Don't you understand, Lord? We... You don't need to fight. Look at verse 17. Set yourselves, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, neither be dismayed. Tomorrow, here's what he tells them. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. The main thing we should remind us in this last portion of Scripture is, folks, listen tonight. God is going to fight your battles. Can I say this? We can trust he's going to do a much better job than we will. If I have the piano player come and just play tonight, I want to say to Good Shepherd Baptist Church this evening, the battle is the Lord's, whatever it is. I have no idea because I don't know most of you. But I know this, the victory is already assured. Meaning like, kind of like, I've read the entire book and I know the end of the story and we're on the winning side. I don't know what burden. I don't know what battle. I have no idea what you're facing. You may be sitting here right now saying, Pastor Murphy, I don't think things could even be going any better then take this, first of all, pause and thank God. Second of all, still be relying on Him. Don't wait for hardship to come to seek Him. And thirdly, take it and put it in your back pocket and say later, hey, i got to remember 2 Chronicles 20. This is a great picture of how we're to respond when the trials come. Let's make sure we do our part. Acknowledge this. Here's the message. Acknowledge this. We don't have the strength. Acknowledge that we don't know what to do. Acknowledge, God, you've already promised the victory. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Pray, fast, and worship. And in doing so, we can sit back and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to ask the church family tonight as the piano plays. I'll turn the message over to pastor here. Maybe take some time this evening as a church. Look to God. Turn your eyes upon Him. Maybe tonight you could come and just say, Lord, we have a meeting coming. And we're going to ask that you'd place a hedge of protection about this place. We lift our pastor up tonight in prayer and staff, those traveling in. We feel you're going to do something special this week. But we want to make sure we're relying on you even when things are good. So, Pastor, if you'll come, I want to challenge you to do that tonight and maybe as a family. It says with your wives and with your little ones, as they stood together and they sought the Lord. Let me challenge you tonight to do that. I believe it would bring honor to him.